Hello, I'm Damien Venuto. It's April 27th and this is The Front Page, a daily podcast presented by the New Zealand Herald. The Department of Inland Revenue has released a massive investigation into the share of tax that New Zealand's wealthiest families pay. The report suggests that the median effective tax rate for this group currently sits at 8.9% of their overall income. This is less than half the percentage paid by the average Kiwi. So why is there such a large divide? What can be done to address this imbalance? And is it even possible to find the political will for a tax overhaul? Today, economist and researcher at the Victoria University of Wellington, Max Rashbrook, is on the front page to explain what this report has revealed. Max, can you talk to us about the background of this research? What inspired the IRD to look at the amount of tax the rich pay? Well, I think for a long time there's been a suspicion that the wealthy pay much lower rates of tax than some of the rest of us because they get a lot of their income through capital gains. But we didn't really know how bad the scale of that problem was and a lot of the ways that we normally use to try to get data on people just don't work at the upper end. So the Inland Revenue basically decided that they needed to go and look in real depth at sort of the 300 wealthiest New Zealand families to understand what rate of tax they really are paying. Now, wealth is obviously quite a relative term. So how exactly did this report identify a wealthy family in New Zealand? The basic cutoff they used was you had to be a family that had over $50 million net worth. And that really is just the few hundred wealthiest families in New Zealand. The top line finding from this report was that the median effective tax rate for these individuals was sitting at around 8.9%. Now, how does that compare to ordinary New Zealanders? And why exactly do we have this disparity? That's the most striking finding in the report by a long shot. Effectively, what it's saying is that the wealthiest New Zealanders pay a rate of tax that is lower than someone would pay on the minimum wage. And it's about half the tax rate that is paid by the typical New Zealander. The main reason for this disparity is really simple, is that when you look at these very wealthiest families, about 80% of their income is capital gains. And because capital gains are virtually untaxed in New Zealand, that means they're making huge amounts of money and not really paying much or any tax on it. So given that we do have this large disparity, as outlined in this report, and that so much of that wealth remains untaxed, what does the report suggest are viable solutions to address this inequity? Well, the report is very careful not to propose any solutions. It's strictly a bit of information gathering. So there's no policy in it whatsoever. What the report does do is make clear just how little tax some of the wealthiest New Zealanders are paying. And what that does is it sets the stage for a debate about exactly what those solutions might be. Labor's tax policy will be announced before the election. I do repeat again, though, that I've never favoured taxing the family home, either by way of capital gains or imputed rents. High rates of home ownership are, for me, a cornerstone of a fair society. Capital gains is the big area that remains untaxed. A capital gains tax does seem like a viable solution, even though this report doesn't go into that. So how likely is it that something like that could happen? That's very much a political calculation. This report will fuel the calls for a capital gains tax because the extent of the disparity it outlines is so stark. However, 
the Labour-led government tried to introduce a capital gains tax in the previous term. That went extremely badly. They'll still be quite scarred by that experience. So whether they really want to go back to that, even with these new numbers, is at this point in time an open question. Now, trusts also feature quite prominently in these discussions. In fact, 67% of the economic income made by NZ's wealthiest families is kept in trusts. So why is it that trusts are so popular among the richest in New Zealand? Well, there's a few legitimate uses for trusts, but they also have some uses which are very attractive to wealthy people, which I think many others would regard as illegitimate. There are some tax advantages to holding wealth in trusts. The income from that wealth, if it's held in a trust and then it's dispersed to a number of beneficiaries, they may take that income as the first income that they own. Say these are the children of very wealthy people who are benefiting from the income of an asset that's held in trust. The income that comes out of that trust may be their first income, so it might be taxed at 10.5% or at 17.5%. Whereas if it had gone just straight to the the wealthy parent, they would pay tax on that income at 33 or 39%. So trusts are quite useful for artificially lowering, lowering your tax bill in some cases. So Max, is the lesson here that the more money you earn, the better you essentially become at avoiding the tax system? Yes, there's all kinds of ways that wealthy people employ to pay less tax than they might otherwise do. And it's important to note that this report only looks at what are currently legal forms of avoiding tax. So taking a lot of your income as capital gains um, because that's not taxed. On top of that, of course, there's a huge amount of illegal tax evasion all sorts of things with storing your money offshore and you know creating artificial losses. The numbers of ways in which people can avoid and evade tax are enormous. And yes, they increase as you go up the scale. One part of the report suggested that the Household Economic Survey has for years been underestimating the wealth held by New Zealand's richest people. So why has that data been so inaccurate and what impact has that had on policymaking? Well, there's two reasons that the standard surveys underestimate wealth at the top. One is just that those surveys typically survey, you know, 5,000 households, for instance. So your chances of getting one of those very wealthy people who are worth over $50 million in the survey aren't very great to begin with. But then there's also this phenomenon of the shy wealthy, as they're known internationally, which is that wealthy people simply don't like filling out those surveys for whatever reason. They like to keep their wealth very private. So we simply haven't had good estimates of just how much wealth there is at the top end. And also because we don't tax capital gains, we haven't known just how big the capital gains are at the top end. So this report is a huge step forward in understanding what's actually happening at the top end of the distribution. And I suppose this is also why the report was so controversial, because of the efforts that were being made in order to get the information from these very wealthy New Zealanders. Well, I think the efforts made to get that information were perfectly reasonable and proportionate. These are people who simply won't fill out the surveys that the rest of us fill out. So the Inland Revenue really had little option other than to write to them and say, we would like a good and comprehensive accounting of 
the wealth that you hold, the debts that you have, the income that you enjoy, and how much tax you pay on that. It's an incredibly valuable project, and the data it's produced really adds massively to our understanding. If you're enjoying this episode of The Front Page, brought to you by the New Zealand Herald, make sure you follow us wherever you get your podcasts. The report also stressed that New Zealand is not a highly taxed country. So how does our tax system compare to the rest of the OECD? We take in slightly less tax overall than the average OECD country. So we're not a high taxer for a start. If we taxed at the rates of, say, you know, Germany or the Netherlands, our government would have another 20 to $30 billion to fund public services better. But the other thing that's really striking about the New Zealand tax system is how inequitable it is. You know, we have a GST tax that really hits hard on the poorest families and makes up a lot of the tax take overall. And the poorest families also pay tax on every cent that they earn. So our tax system asks a lot of people at the lower end. Conversely, and as this report is showing, at the upper end, a huge amount of income is capital gains, which isn't really taxed at all. And we don't have a wealth tax. We don't have the inheritance taxes or land taxes that are really common in a lot of other countries. So our tax system asks a lot of people at the lower end and very little of people at the upper end. And that's been brought into stark relief by this report. Max, when you look at that inequity, do you think politically this research is going to lend way to any party seeking to introduce new taxes like a wealth tax or windfall taxes or anything like that? Absolutely it does because the inequity is so stark. New Zealand's wealthiest families are paying a lower rate of tax than supermarket cashiers do. That's obviously going to add weight to arguments for a capital gains tax or another similar kind of tax. Whether the government wants to act on that immediately is an open question at this point in time, but I think in the long run, it absolutely helps the case for making the New Zealand tax system fairer. Speaking to the Herald's Money Talks podcast recently, top leader Raf Manji spoke of the party's plans to introduce a land tax over a CGT. We just need to change our settings around tax. That is a big, big issue. A universal basic income funded by a land value tax. That's probably the big switch that we need to make. And the good thing about it is it can be done. Do you think that that's a more palatable option than a capital gains tax? We don't have polling on how popular the different tax ideas are. So everything is guesswork. But my sense would be a land value tax would probably be very unpopular because certainly people would hear it as saying, you're going to tax the land under my house. And I think that would elicit a very negative reaction from people. I think a capital gains tax, particularly if it were clear that it didn't apply to the family home, would be significantly more palatable than a land value tax and probably makes more sense overall because I think you should be taxing the income that people make or the wealth that they hold, no matter what form they hold it in, rather than singling out one kind of asset for attention. Is that where this conversation gets lost, when we do have these emotive expressions like taxing the value of the land under my house? Is it the emotional side of this discussion that derails everything? I think so, but that's unavoidable up to a point. Some people say, oh, wouldn't it be lovely if we could just hand tax policy over to the experts? But the reality is that tax is extremely political. You know, there's no 
one number where you can say that's the right amount of tax or that's exactly the right tax rate. Fundamentally, it's about values and it's about judgments. It's about saying how much should some people contribute? How do we ensure that everyone's paying a reasonable amount? How do we fund the things that we want government to provide, those collective services? It's always going to be a political discussion at the end of the day. New Zealand's lobby groups have been quite effective at fighting against tax changes in the past, and last week we saw them again come out ahead of the report to suggest that wealthy people did indeed pay enough tax. And I said, well, most people aren't going to believe this, you know, they're going to find it pretty hard to swallow. And he said, well, you've got to get your mind around the statutory tax take, in other words, the tax brackets, and then the effective tax rate, in other words, when you take into account all the one-offs, the allowances, the tax credits and the like. I mean, is there any validity to their arguments? No, I thought the research that was trying to argue that the wealthy pay a reasonable amount of tax was very flawed, and actually its flaws have been put into sharp relief. The report that was trying to argue that everything was fine looked at these kind of artificial families that they're sort of created as illustrative examples, and those families didn't take much of their income as capital gains. And now what we know from the Inland Revenue Report is that actually, if you're amongst the wealthiest New Zealand families, 80% of your income is capital gains. So when you actually have the right numbers, it becomes clear that the wealthiest New Zealanders are paying very little of their income in tax. Max, we're in an election year where bread and butter issues have been made the key focus. Do you think that there's any chance of a discussion around the tax system breaking through this year? It's very hard to know because the anti-tax lobby is very strong. We've already seen attempts to derail the conclusions of this inland revenue report. We saw during the debate about the capital gains tax that there was a very powerful, very well-resourced lobby against any change to the tax system. There was misinformation spread about a capital gains tax. So it's very hard in that situation to make positive changes to the New Zealand tax system. And certainly Labour has been very nervous about tax issues in the past. So whether that changes isn't clear, but I would personally not expect to see any huge changes being proposed from Labour at any rate. Max, every time we talk to people on this podcast about big issues like a capital gains tax, we hear the concern that they express about these issues just being kicked further and further down the road because people are afraid to have these conversations with voters. Is this just going to be another example of a can being kicked further and further down the road until we have this discussion in the future again and realise again that the issue still exists and it's still bad? It may be. One of the long-term issues, though, of course, is we've got an ageing population and potentially fewer people who are earning regular salaries. And so it's going to be harder and harder to fund what we need our governments to do just through levying income tax. And it's going to become more and more obvious that there's this huge untaxed source of income and wealth, so capital gains and property and all those other issues. So I think that's going to create a necessity for changing the tax system apart from anything else. And I do also think it's possible, although the last attempt to get a capital gains tax was a failure, I think that was partly a result of flip-flopping from Labour who had 
supported a capital gains tax under Phil Goff, then ditched it under Andrew Little, then brought it back under Jacinda Ardern, but then panicked and put it to a tax working group, which meant they couldn't defend their own idea for 18 months. Despite that, something like 35 to 40% of the population were still saying in polling that they were positive about or open to a capital gains tax. So I think with a concerted campaign, it would actually be possible to win the argument. Thanks for joining us, Max. That's it for this episode of The Front Page. You can read more about today's stories and extensive news coverage at nzherald.co.nz. The Front Page is produced by Sean D. Wilson with executive producer Ethan Sills. I'm Damien Venuto. You can follow The Front Page on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts. And tune in tomorrow for another look behind the headlines.